Hey everyone, welcome to episode 28 of The True Crime Couple. I'm Kay. And I'm John. At the top of the show, we just wanted to thank our sponsors, 4hymns.com and Warby Parker. And of course, the backbone of this podcast, the Patreon supporters, that are helping us get better and better with every episode. If you are interested in donating to our Patreon page and receiving bonus episodes, you can donate at patreon.com slash truecrimecouple. Currently, we have bonus episodes about the Winchester Mystery House, Dick Hansen, and an episode entitled Surprise Arizona that we just put up last week. That one we don't want to give away too much, but we promise it's, it's definitely a surprise. Hence the name, Surprise. <laughs> we promise you won't be disappointed. So without any further ado, let's get into our episode. In life, we can pretty much be guaranteed two things. Eventually, we all die, and at one time or another, we will be confronted with a bad neighbor. Case in point, us. (laughs) (laughs) In some cases, like ours, that might be several times in a lifetime, we have a loud upstairs neighbor who's always either running, vacuuming, nailing something, screaming, or just loudly existing. She's pretty rough. Or we have the loud, continuously fighting Greek family to our right and the talkative cat lady to our left. Yeah, we can't, can't escape, escape it. Nope, you can't. It's apartment living. And unfortunately, you guys have inherited these people through our podcast. Sorry. <laughs> I feel bad for you guys. So today I wanted to pay homage to all of the bad neighbors that we all most likely have had at one time in our lives. The story we are going to bring you today starts off the same way every true crime podcast or show begins. In a beautiful suburb, outside of a city, in a sleepy town where everyone knows everyone, and people sleep with their doors unlocked. And everything would have remained as so if there was not the chance meeting of the Cantrell and Kennedy family on Zapata Drive. These two identical families, both with stay-at-home moms and three young boys, would at first get along so well. But then a disagreement turns into a feud, a feud into a security camera, and security camera into a brawl, and a brawl that eventually ends in murder. Police say the suspect, 31-year-old Jeffrey Dahmer, has confessed to the killings of 11 people whose remains were found in his apartment. We are all evil in some form or another. Are we not? Lock your doors, lock your windows. If you have the ability to provide additional security devices, then by all means do so. The story begins in the town of Pegram, Tennessee, which is a small town just 20 miles west of Nashville. According to the statistics regarding the town, it appears that most residents are married with children. And it's because of this that the town is known for its public education system. It is for these reasons that the Cantrell family decided to make their move to 5606 Zapata Drive. The Cantrell family consists of Tasha, her husband Ken, and their three young boys, Nate, Zach, and Troy. Residents of the street said that the Cantrells were outside all the time playing with their boys, and when they weren't playing, they were usually tending to work outside as the boys played, making sure that they always had their eye on them. So before we go any further, I want to discuss the subdivision in which the family moved into. Zapata Drive is far from U.S. Route 70, which all residents would have to take in order to visit stores or restaurants. About a mile down Walk Up Road, 
whose turn you can take right by the Pegram City's town hall, lie a collection of streets that form a crude figure eight. It seemed that all of the families living in the division knew each other. And it was good that way. If their children were going to be trusted to play together, it was best that they all knew each other. As soon as the Cantrells moved into the neighborhood, they were greeted by all of the neighbors. However, Tasha found a close connection with Jillian Kennedy, who lived at 5600 Zapata Drive. The two women had so much in common. They were both stay-at-home mothers who had three young boys, something that wasn't easy to handle. The two struck up a friendship of sorts, exchanging numbers and allowing their children to play together. But this arrangement was something that was very short-lived. Now, the Kennedy family was not from the South. They had moved to Tennessee so that Jillian's husband, Chris, could pursue, could pursue his songwriting career and figured that living just outside of Nashville would work just fine for that dream of his. However, to pay his family's bills, Chris was a firefighter by profession. The family was from Connecticut originally, the New Haven area, but fell in love with the South and the town of Pegram. So in love, in fact, that Jillian convinced her parents to move on to Zapata Drive as well. The problems began when the families got to know each other more. Although Tasha and Jillian shared similar living situations, their personalities could not have been more opposite. It seemed as more time went on, Tasha began to realize that none of the other families associated themselves with the Kennedys. She didn't know why, but to Tasha it seemed as if all the other mothers were avoiding Jillian. It was confirmed one day, a few weeks after the Cantrells moved into town. Jillian came to Tasha's house and rang the doorbell. She asked if Tasha could watch her youngest son for her, because she had to run out to the store. Tasha felt uncomfortable doing so. She just met the Kennedys, and their youngest son was still very little. Plus, she had a lot of unpacking to do. She told Jillian she would have loved to, but she just had a million things to do, and she couldn't do it right then. Jillian immediately became defensive and asked if Tasha had been talking to the neighbors. She asked if she wouldn't watch her son because of what the neighbors had been saying, and Tasha told her that she hadn't and asked what she was talking about, but Jillian stormed off and never gave Tasha a response. Only a few days later, Tasha had another incident with Jillian that unnerved her. Tasha was meeting Jillian's parents for the first time in her yard. As the adults were talking, the two women's six boys and other neighborhood kids had begun a game of football. At one point, the game got aggressive. One of Tasha's boys and Jillian's boys were fighting over the ball, wrestling. Jillian began screaming at the boys, Tasha's son in particular. Don't you hurt my kid, she screamed. And Tasha walked over to her and told her to calm down, that they were just boys messing around. But Jillian wasn't listening. She demanded that Tasha tell her boy to get off of her son. Tasha, Tasha, taking all this in, just wanted to defuse the situation and yelled at her son to stop fighting and play nice. The two boys eventually separated from each other. But Tasha was unnerved by the incident and chalked it up to different parenting styles. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that. Yeah, I just think that it's, I don't know, I think it's wrong in the moment to, like, tell someone else how to talk to their child. Oh, absolutely. You can't do that. So I think that's what that's made her limits. feel uncomfortable. Absolutely, yeah. 
but saying the two women had different parenting styles was definitely an understatement. Tasha had also made friends with the other mothers in the neighborhood, and they began to talk as well as their children played in the streets. The other mothers told Tasha that they kind of stayed away from Jillian because she was always screaming at her kids and judging them for the way they parented their own children. The women stated to Tasha that it might the women stated to Tasha that it might just be because Jillian was from up north and this was a southern town. So maybe she wasn't used to the way that the kids were raised down there. They also told Tasha that it's just easier to placate Jillian than to start a confrontation with her. But then the women stated that they wanted to stay away from her for different reasons. They said they don't like the kids playing over at the Kennedy house. Because when the Kennedys first moved in to Zapata Drive, Jillian revealed to the mothers that she had worked at a daycare center, which she was fired from. The details were very unclear, and Jillian never wanted to speak about it again after she brought it up the first time. But it left the women in the neighborhood unsettled about the woman. I think that that's interesting that she would just mention that she got fired from a daycare center, but then not go into detail, because that's kind of like, there's well, implications. Weird. Well, it's just weird. I mean, if you you give someone a tidbit of information... And all of a sudden, like, people are going to want more. Yeah. I mean, you they, can't just be, hey, I got fired from somewhere and then not even list a reason for being fired or, like, for, like or what happened exactly. Especially when it comes to child care and people's children yes, will be at the house. Yes, it's very important. Yes. It's, it's just a weird thing that oh, she would bring up. When you're around children, any job where you're around children, yeah. if you got fired from that place. It's pretty serious. It must be serious. Yeah, I worked at a daycare center for eight years and I've seen women get fired for eating the children's food. What? Yeah, she. There was. We had this one woman who would, like, it was. We had cameras, so like the parents could watch everything we did. Okay. So that was pretty good. Like you know, you know, there's always cameras watching you, so you're not gonna do anything wrong, right? Right. Exactly. No, this woman would feed that. We had this room, like the infants and then the toddlers, but in between an infant and a toddler, we called them the waddlers. So it was like the waddler room. Okay. She would feed. A child, and then feed herself. Every time? Like, all the time. It was it was so disgusting. A parent brought it up to the director, and then we had to let her go. So that oh, was weird. That is weird. Yeah, then we had um, a high school girl working there. I was in high school and college when I worked there, but was when I was in college, we hired a high school girl, and she was too aggressive with the kids. Huh. Like, she would just get really mean with them and, like, like... So we had to like, let that one go. So you don't just get fired from a daycare. Without probable cause. Without probable. I mean, yeah. it could, giving her the benefit of the doubt, maybe she was late at times. But to get fired from a daycare, you kind of and you have should, to and, not be treating children well. And if you care about what people think about you, you should probably tell them like as to why you got fired. Like I just I think before. if I ever got fired, I probably wouldn't tell people that I got fired. Yeah, just or, or that. I just yeah, wouldn't just bring from it up. the beginning. Like, yeah. why would you even say that? It's That's not, not like an icebreaker. No, it's not a conversation starter. It's not. Hi, I'm Kay. I've I've been fired yeah, from a job. Check me out. I've, uh, my name's John. I've Hope been fired we can be from friends. many jobs. Like, it's so crazy. <laughs> but it was only a few minutes after this conversation that Tasha witnessed firsthand exactly what these mothers were talking about. Jillian calmly came walking out of her house and blew a whistle that she had on a string around her neck. She yelled out to her boys, come inside, it's time for bed. And Tasha was a bit shocked by this, as it was only 6 p.m. 
She saw the rest of the mothers round up their children and tell them to come on and go inside. We can have snacks and play video games. But Tasha found the whole situation ridiculous. When Jillian saw Tasha and her boys remaining in the streets, she said to her, It's getting late. You should bring your children in. They really need their rest. But Tasha responded that it's only 6 p.m. and I think I'm going to let my kids play around for a little bit longer. Thanks, though. You tell them, Tasha. Thanks, though. This causes Jillian to storm off. And it seemed from this moment on that there was a strain between the two women. Good for Tasha. Yeah, I think it's good that she stood her ground and she, she didn't just let someone bully her into, like, how to parent her child. Oh, yeah. I mean, come on now. Tasha began to notice that Jillian was overbearing and overprotective of her three boys and viewed almost every activity that the neighborhood kids participated in as dangerous. Another encounter two weeks following the whistleblowing incident when Tasha's boys are racing their bikes up and down their own driveway. At the same time, Jillian is walking beside her youngest son as he's learning how to ride his bike. When they get to the Cantrell's driveway, the Cantrell boys rush past the two, almost knocking over the little boy. When Jillian begins screaming at the boys, they do not turn around and head up the driveway. Instead, they continue down the street, away from the screaming woman. Jillian is screaming for them to come back and apologize for almost hurting her son. Jillian was screaming so loudly that Tasha came out of her house, and when she asked what was wrong, Jillian began yelling at her, saying that her boy's play was too dangerous and that her son was almost harmed. She also told Tasha that she would be legally responsible if her boys ever got hurt because they're always roughhousing and never wearing helmets while they're riding their bikes. She added that if the behavior continues that she will call the police. Tasha told her to calm down and remember that they're just boys. It's so weird because it's, it's, they're both opposite sides of the spectrum. One's extremely protective and the other one's extremely laid back. Right. You know, and it's like that just, it's, it's, it's like, not o- it's like oil well. and water. It just doesn't work out well. Oil and vinegar. What did I say? Well, is it oil and water or is it oil and vinegar? What's the saying? Well, I mean, I think it's both. I think yeah. you could say oil and vinegar or oil and water. Well, yeah. oil and water don't go well together. Well, okay. Yeah, then I guess oil and vinegar go pretty well together. They do, because it tastes good on yeah, a salad. Yeah. <laughs> oil and water, you can't do anything well, with it. Okay. Okay, um, good job, I'm Kay. sorry that I corrected you. Well, I think that maybe the reality, because there's always two sides of a story, right? Both sides and then the truth, like the middle ground. So probably Tasha's boys are being a little rambunctious and Jillian might be in the right if she didn't react so badly. Like she's reacting over the top. And she's definitely not picking and choosing her battles. See, people right. won't take you serious. If enough. you complain about if you everything. you complain about every little thing imaginable. Right. So... And all these situations are just little tiny situations, but the fact that they're stacking up on top of each other is what's making this... And they're being blown out of proportion, like you said. Yeah, and tension's just building and building between the two families. But Jillian doesn't calm down when Tasha tells her to. Later that night, the Cantrells get a knock at their door. They're shocked to see a sheriff's deputy on the other side. When Ken Cantrell began talking to the officers, he learned that there was a formal safety complaint filed against them. In the report, it states that a neighbor has seen excessive roughhousing on more than one occasion that the boys, never wear he- the boys never wear helmets while riding up and down the block. The Cantrells were at a loss for words. 
The officers just informed them that this was a warning, that the boys were in no trouble, but that they should keep all roughhousing in their backyard if they were allowed to do so, and they should always be wearing their helmets. After the sheriff left, Tasha got really angry and yelled over to Jillian, who was watching the warning from her doorstep. See, I think that's the the malintent. Yes. Watching from like, your doorstep. Yes. Like, see, I told you I was right. Kind of yeah. like Like, I got attitude. you, bitch. Yeah. You know, that's, that's what not, that is. Right. It's not, I'm concerned for your children. It's, I'm trying to get you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So when Tasha yelled over... She said, what is wrong with you? You can't control your own kids without scaring them, so you think we should do the same thing, or are you just an idiot? But this time, Ken was angry as well, and Ken ran over and approached Chris, who was in his garage at the time. He said, your wife just tried to have my kids arrested. You better control her. And Chris, who's a very non-confrontational person, just told Ken that she could do what she wants. He then excused himself and shut his garage door. Well, see, here's the other part of it, right? You don't want... Well, now, Ken shouldn't be walking up to Chris and complaining like that. Well, no. just, being, just being a little rude. I mean, he doesn't say control your woman. That's pretty much... Because that's yeah, pretty much what it is. that is what listen, he's control saying. control your woman, you know? And I think that's a little, um, like, trying to say, oh, I guess who wears the pants in this family? Like, you're, like de- kind of demasculating him. It's also like, okay, well, what are you trying to say about women? Like, their property, too. You know what I'm saying? For Ken to say a statement like that. It's just stupid and it's yeah. uncalled for. And I think that if anything, he would what he should have done there to try to calm it down would be to say to Chris, pretty much. Let's try and let's squash try to work this, this out between the two of us. Yes. Let's work this out. Let's talk to our wives. Let's have like a little, maybe a little meeting or yeah. whatever or whatever. Not, you know, we don't want it to escalate and have the cops called again and again and right. again. Right. Now, I don't want to make it seem like here it's just really... 100% one-sided because the members of the community did state that Tasha and Ken definitely have a temper and that they can get very aggressive and say pretty blunt, hurtful things. I'm sure. So yeah. I'm sure it's a bit two-sided. So now we're going to take a break to hear from our first sponsor, 4 Hims is a wellness brand for men. Did you know that 66% of men lose their hair by age 35? The problem is when you start to notice hair loss, it's too late. Because, of course, it's easier to keep your hair that you have than replace the hair that you've already lost. Is this something that you are beginning to notice? A bald spot, maybe, or a receding hairline? Imagine what your hair would look like now if you would have acted on this a year ago. Well, the solution for this problem is 4hims.com. Hims is a one-stop shop for hair loss, skincare, and sexual wellness for men. Hims does not use weird solutions to help solve your hair loss problems. What HIMSS does is put you in contact with real doctors who prescribe medical-grade solutions to treat hair loss. What's great is that there's no waiting room or awkward doctor visits. It's quick and easy. All you have to do is answer a few questions, and the product is conveniently shipped right to you. So please help us out and help yourselves out by going to 4 slash TCC for your $5 trial month. Again, our listeners get a trial month of hymns for $5 today, right now, while supplies last. See website for full details. This is the value of hundreds of dollars. Again, go to 4 slash TCC for your $5 trial month. Okay, back to our show. Throughout the incidents between the Cantrells and the Kennedys, Jillian will make seven safety complaints against her neighbors. And each time she's on her doorstep watching it go down. That's ridiculous. Yeah. 
Tasha has stated that the sheriffs would come out and give the kids a warning and then leave. It seemed to her as if they were just like all the other neighbors and placating Jillian. But each time the sheriffs visited the Cantrell family, Jillian would make sure that she was waving from her door. It's like she enjoyed every single moment she, of she it. She loves it. She loves it. After this incident occurred, they said it was bizarre because the Cantrells felt like these complaints were antagonistic. So whereas it's it's so frustrating when someone does something under the guise of it being, oh, I'm just so concerned. But you know what the underlying cause of this is. It's, it's to antagonize them. Right. But she's very... It, it's bl- it's blatantly obvious. Oh yeah, that that's what she's doing. You know, like it's just we- it's weird intentions. You know, you know. Oh, you don't like how I you know came up to you to tell you about your kids. Well, now I'm gonna make you pay for it. Now it's just like right. It's childish, really. It's, it's very childish. The problem is when you get sucked into something that's childish. It's almost like you regress in age because you respond absolutely and you also it also becomes like this vicious circle Cycle, yeah. yeah like a circle that just never ends right because if you do something the other person has to do yep. it but it was clear that a feud had began with the kennedys and the cantrells and unfortunately the children would get involved at this point the kennedy boys are forbidden to speak to the cantrell boys however this is very difficult because the cantrell boys are playing with everyone else in the neighborhood so this ostracizes the Kennedy boys from the rest of the community. The fact that her sons are upset because they can't play with anybody, which is technically Jillian's fault, makes Jillian lash out even more, like that cycle you just talked about. During one afternoon, the Cantrell boys and other kids from the block are playing soccer in the front yard of their house. During the game, the ball is accidentally kicked over to the Kennedy yard. Jillian, who's doing yard work in the front, picks up the ball and told the kids that the ball was now on her property and they weren't allowed to retrieve it. So, the boys go inside to get their father. They tell him that Jillian will not give them their ball back. So, Ken goes outside and offers to go over and get the ball so the boys can keep playing. And he does so non-aggressively. He said, I'll just come over and get it. But Jillian's response is, you can come over if you're brave enough, but legally I'm telling you, no, you cannot enter my property. So Ken, at this point, frustrated, just tells her, he says, keep the damn ball. We have more. And gives the kid another, the kids another soccer ball. See, I, I hate that. <laughs> it's uh, ridiculous. Look, I, once again, I, I'm not, it's not, I'm sure it has nothing to do with like, you know, it's just, I hate when people lawyer up. Like, oh, uh, you offended me. Lawyering up. Uh, well, yeah, like, like they call like the legal on, stuff. Dude. Like, legally, you can't. Yeah. I mean, of course, no one's allowed on someone else's property without permission. I get that. But, like, the kid's but, ball but is over. But legally, there. it's their ball. I know. It's just crazy. It's, it's so stupid. It's very, it's ridiculous. It's, she's just trying to be a ball buster. Yep. I like it. Pun intended. It seems as if these tensions are just rising and rising within the subdivision. And what makes it difficult is the fact that no one can escape the tension. The next battle that occurs between the families involves a basketball hoop. It's so funny because everything is so tiny by itself. 
but it's the collection it that matters. It almost makes you think that, like, it doesn't take much to com- for somebody to murder to somebody. commit a, a, a cruel act. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about, like, little Basketball neighborly things. Hoops. A soccer ball. Like, right. <laughs> a bicycle helmet. So, the Cantrell family lived at the end of the street, and it's a dead-end block. And all the kids loved the idea of being able to play with the Cantrell boys because at this point, Ken has set up a basketball hoop, but (coughs) like at the end of their driveway, a little bit over. So that means the basketball game is played in the street at the dead end. Okay, so So away from danger. Right, and more boys can play at once. Cool, yeah. So they're able to play in the street. So everyone loves it. All the kids in the subdivision come over and play basketball there. However, the Kennedy boys were not allowed to participate because of their mother. And of course, this angered Jillian. Because in Jillian's mind, it's not her fault the boys can't play. It's, it's Tasha's fault. So her next target is to take down this basketball hoop. And one weekend, when it seems like every child in the neighborhood was outside playing basketball, Jillian came out of her house and demanded that the kids stop playing and that it was illegal that they had to get off of the street. The Cantrell boys refused to stop, and this set her over the edge, and she began screaming and cursing at them. She said something along the lines of, you better not talk back to me. Maybe it would be better if you did get hit by a car. Maybe then you would learn your lesson. At this point, the parents came out of their homes because they heard all the screaming from both sides. Because as Jillian's screaming, all the kids are screaming back at her. At this point, Chris is going to come out of the house as well. That's Jillian's husband. And he begins yelling at all the kids, too, to get inside their homes. This kind of makes the kids uneasy, and they all begin to run away. However, as they're running away, some of the boys continue to call Jillian names, and they always called her Fat Pig. And that always set her over the edge, so Mm. I think that made them do it more. So as they're running away, someone turns around and calls her a Fat Pig again. This is when Jillian picks up the basketball and throws it as hard as she can at the group of boys, hitting a neighborhood boy hard in the back, so hard that it causes him to fall down. Oh my god. Yeah, like, you... Like, these are children. These are children, and your your big concern is safety. You just assaulted a child. But we know it's really not about the safety. I know, but like, it just goes against her principles, air quotes. I mean, no matter what, no matter how rude a child is, no matter what their upbringing is, (laughs) if you don't agree with it, whatever, you can't physically harm a child. No. Whether it's a punch to the face or a basketball to the back, it's... Yeah. Essentially, it's the same thing. And especially if it's not your child. And so the boy's mother was out there in the street. Okay. And she starts screaming at Jillian that she crossed the line. And it seems like this was the changing moment. Whereas before the Cantrells moved in, everyone kind of kept Jillian calm and kind of appeased her. But now that the Cantrells are standing up to her and she now has become the ultimate villain, she just hit a child with a basketball, they all start yelling at her. So, like, it's a different, different error here in this subdivision where now all of a sudden Jillian is enemy number one. We're not going to appease her. Everyone's going to speak out against her. Right. So the Cantrells have kind of changed this whole neighborhood's thought process. 
So in Jillian's mind, the Cantrells are solely to blame for everyone not liking her. She in no way is responsible in her own mind. Well, of course not. Because somebody like this, they do no wrong. Right. (laughs) But this wasn't the end of the battle for Jillian. You think it would be, you know, hitting a child with basketball? Oh, yeah. Who obviously felt no remorse for hitting a child. She was going to put a stop to the kids playing basketball in the street one way or another. A few nights after the incident, at around 1 a.m., Jillian and her mother, dressed in all black, load the portable basketball hoop into the back of her father's pickup truck. This is no easy task. Those basket, like, the bottom, like, is so heavy. Well, um, I used to have one, so I know. Filled with water, actually. Yeah. That's how they weigh it. I mean, typically, that's how the how it's designed. It right, has, or sand I or mean, something. it does have wheels, but it is filled with either water or sand. Yeah, you still would have to lift it up you into the bed of the it. truck. And then you would actually have to disassemble the top because it's not going to fit, fit right. in a pickup truck. So they were trying to get this hoop, like, to, they were trying to, like, disassemble it and put it in the truck. Yes. Yeah. However, a neighbor who was coming home from work at the time caught the two women in the act as they were trying to load the hoop into the truck. They were basically trying to lift it up and they couldn't. It was too heavy. Um, The two women ended up putting the basketball hoop back, but the neighbor made sure that he told the Cantrells the next morning what he had witnessed. And soon the Cantrells made sure that they told everyone in the neighborhood what Jillian and her mother tried to do. I mean, I kind of understand why you would. I mean, I would too. I'd be like, I mean, that's my property. This woman is absolutely insane. And then, I mean, I would do it in the fact of like, if you tell people because if they see something, you'd want them to say something as well. Right. I understand that. Yeah. Like a community watch type thing. Right. Which is fine. And, you know, like you're defacing property. You're, you're, so like she's, she's talking this big game to uh to ken right it was yeah uh, you know talking this big game to ken but to be honest with you about him being on the property but to be honest with you this is even worse you're right. pretty much trying to steal someone else's property right off their, their right off their driveway their pro- there yeah it's crazy it seems like she's the biggest hypocrite here because she's saying i want safety i'm gonna hit a child with the basketball um don't come on my property i'm going to steal yours it's crazy yeah at one o'clock in the morning come right. on now Now, this is where the situation is going to escalate more quickly. Children imitate their parents, right? And they also want to please their parents. So the children of the neighborhood, who have been hearing for a long time how much everyone hates the Kennedys and what they would love to do to them, or that they want them out of town. So the children, most likely because they want to impress or please their parents, are going to begin their own war with the Kennedy family. Okay, we are going to take a break and talk about our second sponsor, Warby Parker. Buying glasses can be expensive, annoying, and overwhelming. Warby Parker has the answer. By cutting out the middleman and selling directly to the customer online and in their stores, Warby Parker is able to provide high-quality, great-looking eyewear at a fraction of the usual price. Their prescription glasses start at $95. This includes frames, lenses, and coatings. The people behind Warby Parker feel that glasses should not cost more than your phone. You might be thinking, how can you possibly buy these anti-glare, anti-scratch coated eyeglasses online? Well, with Warby Parker's completely free home try-on program, you can. Order five pairs of glasses online and have them shipped directly to your home or office. Then you have five days to try them on, show them to friends and family for an honest opinion, on what looks best. 
There is no obligations to buy. Everything ships free and includes prepaid return shipping labels. Warby Parker also has an iTunes app to help you through the process. We ordered an at-home kit and chose between some amazing sunglasses, but I eventually decided on the Raglan. I love them so much. It was so easy to choose a pair that I wanted and ship the rest back. But what I love most is that for every pair you buy, a pair is distributed to someone in need. We guarantee that you'll love the experience and the glasses. It's 100% free and really easy. Go to warbyparker.com TCC and order your favorite pair. They'll even call your doctor if you don't have your prescription handy. Go to warby, that's W-A-R-B-Y, parker.com TCC to get started with the free home try-on. That's warbyparker.com TCC to find your perfect pair of sunglasses today. Thank you, and let's get back to the show. A few days after Jillian and her mother are caught trying to dispose of the basketball hoop, the Kennedy children are jolted awake by the sound of something hitting their windows. They run into their parents' bedroom crying. Jillian and Chris realize at first that rocks are being thrown at their windows. Jillian and Chris think at first that rocks are being thrown at their windows, but when they pull back their blinds, they realize that their house is being hit with paintball guns. Jillian immediately runs out of the house and starts screaming for the kids to come out and that she's called the police. As she does so, she sees two children running away. And she doesn't know who those children are, but she yells at them that she swears she will find out who they are. Now, I think that's kind, that's kind of serious, too, because now you're hitting a house with paintballs. You know how difficult that is to remove? Oh, yeah. I mean, so it's like it's slowly escalating and escalating. Right. But see, now this goes back to, we can tie this back into um, Ken and Tasha. Tasha about how like they pretty much you know spread the word in the neighborhood about what's what was going on. And if you Correct. see anything, say something. So now what do you think happens? It's a trickle-down effect. They tell those parents, those parent, those kids hear those parents talking about it in their homes. Right. And now those kids are like, oh, the Kennedys suck. Let's go paintball their fucking house. Exactly. And that is and there's why else for them you to shouldn't do. do that. Right, because you're just escalating the situation. And now it's to the point where there's no you can't you can't come back from this. Right, because of course the Kennedys are going to act like they're cornered. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So after the paintball incident, the Kennedy family sets up a series of security cameras around the perimeter of their house. However, this makes the Cantrells feel targeted because they feel as if the cameras are recording their every move. So the cameras are around the perimeter of the Kennedy household, but the cameras are directed at the Cantrell house. So they felt uneasy with the fact that they were being recorded coming and going from their house, being in their front yard. They just felt uncomfortable. I think it stems more from the fact that they don't like the Kennedys. Oh, it definitely is. But you and know Jillian what? definitely does creepy things. So in my mind, I'd think she's watching everything. The problem is, though, I mean, in today's day and age. Oh, yeah, you're 100%. I mean, this is, uh, tr- it's truthfully here, like, like it's, it's Big Brother watching. It's Right, but this is 2004, yeah. so it's a little different. It's true. I mean, that was kind of when it was, things were, like, starting to happen that way. Like, things were yeah. changing. Well, when Tasha goes in and tells Ken that the cameras are being put up, Ken storms outside and demands that the cameras that are watching his family are taken down or pointed in a different direction. 
But this time, it's Jillian's father who interjects and says, well, now we have your eye on you, and hopefully you won't act up. So it's kind of threatening. That is threatening. Jillian again feeds him the line of, you cannot come on our property, it's illegal. And Jillian and her father begin a taunting wave at Ken until he gives up and decides to walk back inside his house. He retreated. Well, it's not you a have to. it's not a loss, Ken. Yeah. But it seems as if putting the camera up only made things worse for the Kennedy family. All of the kids in the neighborhood would dress in black and put their hoods up so the cameras could not make out who they were, and they would throw eggs at the Kennedys' windows and at the cameras. Because this had been occurring on a nightly basis, Jillian and her mother began riding around the four-block neighborhood, filming all of the children as they're playing trying to determine who the boys were walking on their property at night. All the while, Jillian is yelling out the window that she's going to catch them and make sure that they're all arrested. (laughs) When Jillian begins passing the Cantrell children, runs outside and tells her to stop filming his children or he's going to shove the camera down her throat. She tells him to go ahead. She would love to have it all on film. And the man backed away. I mean, again, it's a woman, so. Right. So this is again when the children get involved. Later in the day, after Jillian and her mother are done making their rounds, her mother is getting out of their truck because now they've parked it now at the mother's house, which is also on Zapata Drive. And as the mother is reaching into the bed of her truck, she is shot in the back of her leg with a pellet gun. And Jillian, sorry, that's really mean. It shouldn't have happened. (laughs) Poor lady. So... She screams out, I've been shot, I've been shot. So Jillian reacts like crazy because she thinks her mother's actually been shot. So once they realize it's a pellet gun, Jillian helps her mother, who's limping now, into the house. And they go in and they tell her father what had happened, that she'd been shot with a pellet gun. And because of the commotion, everyone now is outside of their homes trying to figure out what had happened. Because now at this point, June, which is Jillian's mother is inside the house. So everyone's like, what What the hell was that? Like, what was all that screaming about? Nobody knows what happened. Um, they did see a kid run away with a pellet gun, but nobody wanted to give away who it was. And all of a sudden, Jillian's father comes outside holding a pistol up in the air, screaming for whoever shot his wife to come out with their hands up. Everyone flips out, panics, ducks runs inside gets away from him which you should do yeah like (laughs) he brought a pistol like holding a pistol in the air right screaming for someone to come out i will say this though i mean i i know it seems like we've i or maybe maybe the audience feels like i've been one-sided but i'll tell you getting hit with that pelican it still hurts like a motherfucker oh i bet it's 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 definitely even getting hit with a paintball hurts like when you're not expecting something well, not only if you're not expecting it, but just like a pellet. I mean, essentially, it's it's a metal ball, okay? And sometimes those metal balls are coated with... You can get them coated with lead. I mean, people use them to hunt small little well, poor critters, but the little critters, that, that's what they're used for sometimes. Well... So, I mean, if you got hit with that, um, no, it wouldn't feel good. No, it's 100% wrong. This is taking it really far. It is. And because... if you got shot with a pellet... I don't know if I'd bring a gun outside and intimidate the entire neighborhood, but I would be like... You'd raise I, hell for me? I would raise hell for you, but I, just, I don't think I'd take a gun out though and wave it in the air. Though. Please don't. 
No. <laughs> Please don't. We don't know how the upstairs lady would react. She'd probably freak out. She'd probably pull out like an AK-47 mm-hmm. probably out yeah, of the Yeah, we don't know closet. what she's got yeah, up there. She, she does have strippers on her. Yeah, maybe she protects them. Did we tell them that she owns strippers? Like I'm she's not sure. Stri- oh, well, anyway, guys, uh, yeah, she's a her... stripper coordinator. Yeah, she's a... Sh- yeah, it's always... Um, but we live in a very nice neighborhood. Very great, She, just, she yes. just happens to be a stripper coordinator. Stripper, yeah, it's nice. So, it's always heavy, heavy high heels going up those stairs. Oh, yeah. They shake the whole bedroom. <laughs> uh, no, but, and no pun intended on that one. Um, now I lost my place. You distracted me. Okay. So the brief standoff ends without incident, but it's becoming clear that but it's becoming clear that the Kennedy family feels as if they're trapped within their own homes. The Cantrells feel the same way at their own house. And Tasha is begging her husband to move so that they can get out of this mess, but Ken refuses to back down from this fight. Knowing that a solution has to come eventually, Tasha decides to give Jillian a taste of her own medicine and get the local sheriff's department involved in the matter. Tasha writes up a petition against the Kennedy family, which would require them to have no contact with their neighbors. She went around to every house in the development, and eventually 200 people had signed this petition. It's a lot of people. It was a lot of people. This was an easy task, as at one point or another, they have had a fight with Jillian Kennedy. When Tasha brought the petition to the sheriff's department, they said because of the large amount of signatures, the petition would be discussed at the next town hall meeting. At the next town hall meeting, the neighbors, 25 of them had attended the meeting, requested that the demands that were stated in the petition be followed. However, nothing could be done. The neighbors were told that the town could not intervene as the Kennedys had not broken any laws. Basically, the petition had just made things worse than they already were. In a fit of anger after the proceedings, as everyone was walking back to their cars, Jillian was filming the neighbors leaving the town hall, taunting them. Tasha finally turns to Jillian and says, Why don't you just keep your fat ass in the house and eat more Twinkies? Oh my god. Yeah. Jillian then walks up to her and puts the camera in her face and dares her to say it again. Ken then brings his wife, Tasha, into their car and is enraged by the whole situation. He's basically, like, screaming in the car freak out. Yeah. Everyone's seen a car freak out. Everyone. That is what Ken is doing right now. So when Ken sees Jillian and Chris take off in their car, he begins to follow them and fast. For the whole two miles back to their houses, Ken is very close behind Chris. And as this is taking place, Jillian is on the phone with the police, saying that they are being run off the road by a reckless driver, and she knows exactly who it is. As the two cars park in their individual driveways, Ken says to Tasha that maybe this will be solved if I finally just kick his ass. And Ken gets out of the car and yells to Chris that he wants to handle the situation like men, like they should have done the whole time. Chris is just laughing at him, making the situation worse. Because when you're angry and someone's laughing at you... It's the worst thing in the world. I know for me, anyway. It's bad. It is bad. But before anything could happen, the police arrive at the scene as Jillian had called them from the car. The situation ends. There is no fight. 
but Ken is charged with reckless driving. See, I don't, I don't agree with that. How? Just because a person makes a statement. Yeah, I know. That's not right. Because where? What's the proof? And do they have proof? I mean, I know she had a video camera. Well. Is it stated that they use the evidence from the... Like, I'm not asking no, you, yeah, I'm just saying... No, yeah, there was no video footage yeah. of him chasing them. You know what them. I'm saying? So, like, if there was no evidence of, of him driving recklessly or running them off the road, how can they even do that? Yeah, it is a little... That's bullshit. So, a week after the town hall and reckless driving incident, a final conflict will end the feud forever. It's a beautiful spring afternoon in May of 2004 when Tasha Cantrell and her son, Zach return from grocery shopping. As Zach steps out of the car holding a grocery bag, he he yells out, as only a 12-year-old can, ew, gross. <laughs> <laughs> Based on the boy's statement, Jillian, who was working in her garden, had on an extremely low shirt, and her her, her breasts were hanging out, like hanging out of the shirt. So that's why he said, ew, gross. (laughs) So he must not have been nice. Um, More than what was decent. So there had to have been some slippage going on. When Tasha came around, she told Jillian to put her boobs away. There are kids in this neighborhood. (laughs) Jillian then gets up and begins shaking herself and asking Tasha if she's just jealous because she didn't have anything to show. But while doing this... Now, it's disputed on whether her breasts came out of her shirt or she flashed. Oh, no. The neighbors. Um, because Jillian, and now at this point, two of her son, uh, Tasha, and at this point, two of her sons are in the driveway. So now two of Tasha's sons have now seen Jillian topless. Oh, great. Yeah. And, and young boys. They're young boys. And any, it, it's just inappropriate. You don't flash your neighbors. Well, you know what? I'm going to just say, you know, the 12-year-old boy is right, man. Ew, that's gross. What the hell are you doing? Ew, gross. Yeah. Uh, Tasha pushed the boys inside and called Jillian a fat whale. <laughs> that's so fucked <laughs> I up. I know. I know. As Jillian was telling her husband that Tasha called her a fat whale, Tasha was telling her husband that Jillian had just flashed the boys and both men run outside at the same time. The two men begin screaming at each other. And again, like the millionth time, because of the commotion, all of the neighbors began coming outside one by one. They all comment that this was an unusual situation. Because usually Chris's demeanor was very different. Usually he was non-confrontational, didn't want to get involved, or he'd be very passive-aggressive. But this point in this incident he was actually taunting ken to come on his yard and begin the fight so they said that chris's demeanor was very different on this day almost set trying to get him on his property right okay without thinking ken enters onto the kennedy property and the two men begin fighting everyone is yelling for the two men to stop but it's jillian who runs inside to retrieve a 410 rifle as the men are fighting Jillian has that rifle aimed right at them. Everyone is yelling for her to put the gun away, but Jillian shoots and hits her husband in the hand, and he begins screaming in agony. However, the bullet went through her husband's hand and right into the chest of Ken Cantrell, 
who was now gasping for air. Tasha begins to scream, and everyone in the community begins to run towards Ken to try and save his life. Ken, they all referred to as Rooster because he was up so early and he built houses for a living, and if anyone ever had a problem in their homes, he always did the repairs for free. So everyone in the community felt very close to Ken. But Jillian stops them all. She points the rifle at everyone and says if anyone steps foot on her property, she would shoot them dead. One woman yells out that she's a nurse and that she could help Ken. Jillian replies, come hell or high water, nobody's going to touch this fucker. But Tasha has an idea. Maybe if she runs at Jillian, she will knock her down and the rifle will fall from her grasp and then the nurse could get to Ken. So Tasha is going to run full speed at Jillian and hit her with all of her force, but the woman doesn't move. Tasha falls to the ground sobbing as law enforcement arrives at the scene because several neighbors had called the police when the fighting began. The sheriffs order Jillian to drop the weapon. As they put the cuffs on her, a cop checks Ken and he's no longer breathing. Tasha, flying into a rage, grabs a baseball bat from her yard and begins breaking every window in the Kennedy's cars. Like, she's just going <laughs> nuts. Oh, my God. Smashing well, yeah, every I mean, window. Yeah. And, and no one's stopping her. Good. Yeah. Tasha is... Jillian is going to stand trial for the murder of Ken Cantrell. And her defense is that Ken was on her property. Of course. She was warning... Because that was she the was, whole this time. Was her, the whole that was the plan the time, whole time. And he was attacking her husband. Therefore, based on the stand your ground and castle laws in Tennessee, she had the right to use deadly force. So before we get into what the verdict is, let's just go over what the castle laws and stand your ground laws are. Now, the castle laws in Tennessee state that you can use deadly force to protect property, that you can't use deadly force to protect property, but you can use deadly force to protect life, which she claimed she was. She was protecting the life of her husband. So in a, so states can either have a stand-your-ground castle law or they can have a duty-to-retreat law. So, like, for instance, like the state of New Jersey that we live in, we have a duty-to-retreat. So that means that if someone comes in, if we feel threatened, we first must retreat from the situation. But then... Um, once we try and retreat and someone still is coming Pursuing after, yeah. then you can use deadly force. So I didn't even know that. Yes. Huh. Well, fun fact. But Tennessee has a stand your ground law. No duty to retreat from the situation before resorting, before resorting to deadly force. Not limited to your property home office. Castle doctrine is limited to real property, such as your home, yard, private office. No duty to retreat. That's interesting. Yep. So the onus is, is on the person that comes onto your property. So like, it's kind of crazy. I'm. We'll, we'll put it this way. It's it's very it's controversial, of course. I mean, like obviously, you should have a right 100 percent to protect yourself. And I mean, I do have a problem with the duty to retreat. That makes me feel uncomfortable. Like I can't protect myself in my own home. That kind of, I don't like that. Well. That's the thing. It is going to be controversial. A lot of people are going to say that's a loophole for committing murder. (laughs) 
Yeah. Um, because in her case, because she was trying to coerce them exactly. to come over. But so the people law... would say that that's a loophole in itself in the right. law. The law is put in place in order to protect you and your family and your property. Using it the correct Using way. Using it the correct way. In this way, it was manipulative. Right. It was it fucked was up. Planned. This was planned. So in my in my opinion, it was planned because I mean, how she could was it not saying be? this the whole time. Listen, how my property, be? my property, and then all of a sudden he's enticing him to come over, and she runs right inside and gets the rifle. If this was the only time that she stated, "This is my property, get off my property," it's a different story. But throughout this whole entire narrative, it's been like four times that she said, Correct. "This is my property, get the fuck off," or "I'm gonna, you know, lawyer up or whatever." Mm-hmm. So there's, it's, it's, it's definitely led to this. Right. So I don't know. So in, uh, during Jillian's trial, she first, she gets off on bail. Uh, $150,000 is the bail that was posted. And, um, Tasha was very upset about that because she felt very uncomfortable with the woman being so close to her house and her children after they just suffered the loss of their father. Um, Her defense is that Ken was on her property attacking her husband. Therefore, based on the castle laws in the state of Tennessee, she had the right to use deadly force. Jillian Kennedy was released from prison after her court trial resulted in a hung jury. Eleven said she was not guilty, and one person thought she was guilty. But most neighbors in Pegram, Tennessee, agree that Jillian got away with murder. This is the thing. Once again, I hate politics. I hate whether or not somebody likes guns or doesn't like guns, whatever. The bottom line here, though, is how do you expect a jury to find her innocent or guilty when, like, let's say a judge says to you, well, this is the castle laws. Did she technically break them? Because it's, you know what I'm saying? So how can you come up to a... A conclusion. But this is the emotionality that a jury could add on to this. Because by using the entire situation and seeing what took place, because obviously Jillian was very careful the entire time throughout all of these disputes to not be breaking a law. So it, like, intention, I believe, is there. Premeditation in luring someone onto your property. Yes. It's, it's very cunning. It's, you know... The way that she was able to get this to happen right. and to fall in her lap, you know, Ugh. because it's not like she could just turn, open the door, walk to his house and, and shoot, shoot him, him, you know, but, yeah. so, but in many ways, that's kind of what she but did. But then do. <laughs> she did. I feel like she's responsible for his murder because he was still alive and a nurse was present on the scene when there was no more danger left. You would not allow someone help him. Now, let me ask you, when you say, well, oh, not you, oh, the castle laws, right? Mm-hmm. It says that you, you are given the right to use deadly force. Correct. So now if someone, I'm, you know, and I don't know, you know, if if you shoot somebody, mm-hmm. if you shoot them in the leg, is that deadly force? You know what I'm saying? Like just between you and I right now, I mean. Like, yeah, I know. I you know, know what you're like, saying. Is that deadly force? Because a deadly, in my opinion, deadly I, force I think, is I shooting at any... a vital part of the body where I, you can kill somebody. But, but legally, deadly force is the use of any type of weapon on someone it's not limited to guns it could also be a knife it's just if let's say she shot him in the leg or the arm and then he was still breathing and everything was fine well i think what happened was her shot was kind of jerked when the men were like fighting it was because she don't forget she 
also shot her husband in the hand. Right. And the bullet went through. Right. So we don't know where she was aiming at first. Well, she probably just, <laughs> I she, mean, most likely she probably just, just fired took a at shot. Them. Right. Um, it's just crazy to me. Yeah. I think, I think the intention lies in the fact that she still didn't, after she shot the man in front of his family, yeah, let still them didn't to the have the remorse the to try and help, like have him get help. So I think to me, that proves that she had horrific intentions. Yes, and that shows her character. <clears throat> Yeah, it's one thing mm-hmm. to uh, go uh, 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 to use the castle law, right? Mm-hmm. But it's another to like stop um, the emer- emergency attention mm-hmm. to this dude. So, <clears throat> well, since the trial, uh, both families have moved from Zapata Drive. The Kennedys trying to escape the stigma, and the town that knows them as the family that got away with murder, and the Cantrells trying to rebuild a life without their loving father. An adoring husband, Ken Cantrell. Yeah, it's a- it's sad. It's sad how just a normal neighborly dispute can just change like this. But it's so true, and that's why it's like sometimes you have to step back from a situation. And although you may be so frustrated, think: Are the people that I'm dealing with mentally sound? And if they're not, you gotta back down, no matter how frustrating it is, because it's not worth it. It's true. It's to true. get involved with them. And, and obviously truly, Jillian's sick in the head. Yeah, and you truly don't know who your neighbors are. No, you don't, and that's um, scary. You know what I'm saying? I know. It, it's, it's a scary thing, um, you know, and I mean, everyone has the right to defend themselves. I do yes. agree with 100%, that. 100%, but this, I not think, like this. is a little, is not what the laws were intended for. Let's speak it out. No, she's abusing that. the law. Correct. Which a lot of people abuse the law. Very true. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us for episode 28. We appreciate it. And again, we just want to thank everyone who's listening and giving us iTunes reviews. We really appreciate it. And again, if you'd like to donate, you could do so at patreon.com slash truecrimecouple and get all of our bonus episodes that we release once a month. Yeah. Thanks, guys. And in loving memory of Ken. Aw. Bye, guys. Bye.